Welcome back, everybody, to the Greg McEwen podcast. This is part five in our series on leverage. In our last episode, we discussed the power of one-time decisions and how they can yield results tenfold. Today, we'll delve into a vital caveat in our journey to leverage, and that is the concept of negative leverage. By the end of this episode, you will be able to notice, identify, and then eliminate those things that are disproportionately taking you away from the things that are essential to you. Let's get to it. If you haven't checked out the Essentialism Academy recently, this is the perfect time to go and check it out. Go to essentialism.com. You'll see the classes that have been curated specifically for you to be able to help you to design a life that really matters and to be able to keep coming back like it's a disciplined pursuit to the things that are essential and to eliminate the things that are not and to make it as effortless as possible to make that transition. Let's start with a personal story. I once signed up for an online service, thinking it was just $10 a month. Well, it was $10 at that time. But imagine my surprise when they shifted the price to $100 a month, every month, that was just on automatic renewal. And I hadn't noticed, so this had gone on for many months. This is a simple but classic example of automation, in this case, working against us. But when non-essential activities are automated, they can silently drain our resources from what's essential without us even realizing it. So what would you do in this case? You would just consider your subscriptions. They're easy to start, but often challenging to stop. And this passive continuation is a form of our subject today, negative leverage. You're leveraging your resources in a way that diminishes rather than enhances your life. That's the simple idea of it. Now, why are we taking a deep dive into this? Well, one reason is because I got an email from Rob Mangrelli. He's been listening to this podcast for a while now, and he's been listening to this entire series on leverage. He said, this got me thinking as to whether there are scenarios outside of finance where using leverage can be a negative where using something intended to make things easier can actually backfire. He adds that he couldn't immediately think of non-financial examples of this, of where using leverage can go terribly wrong, but he wanted to ask whether this was a topic that I thought might work in this 10x series. And of course, the answer is self-evident. It's here, and we're talking about it today. He shared, which I think is helpful, and we'll put in the show notes, a memo written by Howard Marks. This memo was written about the volatility of the real estate market in the Great Recession, the ways that banks leveraged bad assets at such a high level that it left the entire financial system unstable. And his concluding statement about it is helpful both for that instance, but also for every other form of leverage that I can think of. 
He writes, leverage doesn't add value or make an investment better. Like everything else in the investment world, other than pure skill, leverage is a two-edged sword. In fact, probably the ultimate two-edged sword. It helps when you're right and hurts when you're wrong. Well, there it is. That is the very heart of the matter. Uh, indeed, it's something that I wrote about uh, in Effortless on page 183. I wrote that one caveat is important to make, and that is that automation or any form of leverage can work for you or against you. If non-essential activities are automated, they too continue to happen without you thinking about it. I've already listed the specific idea of the subscription, but what other forms of negative leverage exist? Of course, here's another example. There are dangers of negative leverage in all human resources. So it can certainly manifest itself in relationships and teams, particularly when we hire the wrong person. If we hire a low trust individual, that can be the gift that keeps on giving in the worst way. So getting the decision wrong is clearly not ideal, but what really pushes the dagger in is not admitting it. It's just pretending the problem will go away. Now, I don't mean that you shouldn't take time to work with individuals. I certainly don't mean that you're not supposed to communicate and be precise if there are expectations that you have that aren't being met. And to be able to do that in a way that is encouraging and affirming. Of course, I don't mean that the first time someone does anything that is not what you want, that, oh, we have to throw them out. But if you're addressing the issue over time and you find that it's really just not getting any better, for example, if you have somebody on your team that is making life for everybody really difficult, if you're the manager, if you're the person with the decision rights, on who's on the team and you don't address it, you are sending waves of pain into the culture of that team. So if you have a team member who's consistently under-delivering or causing conflict, this not only affects the immediate tasks, but also the team's morale and productivity in the long run. It's negative leverage in action, where one wrong decision multiplies its adverse effects over time. It may cost you something, to address that problem today. It may cost you something to, at the right time and juncture, remove that person from the team. But it costs you not to do something. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. So whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, whenever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. So sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. 
in my experience with every business that I have built, including this podcast, there are breakthrough moments, and those moments are often the result of finding the right partner. And I think that's a way to think about Shopify, because no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg. This episode is brought to you by JustWorks. Are you still doing payroll manually in your business? Do you know someone who is? Because it is time to change that. With, with an exclusive offer. JustWorks supports small businesses with simple, seamless solutions like integrated payroll. For a limited time only, try out their payroll plan for one month free. As a reliable and flexible platform, JustWorks earns back time so you can focus on running your small business with big confidence. Designed to be flexible, JustWorks can support teams of one to as many as your small business hires, including contractors. In just 30 minutes, Set up payroll that streamlines paying your team, saves time, mitigates errors, and is desktop and mobile friendly. You can even integrate time tracking and benefits that support running your small business with big confidence. Don't miss your chance to get one month free by visiting justworks.com slash Greg. Secure the limited time offer and start letting JustWorks run your payroll so you don't have to. Start your free month now at justworks.com slash Greg. Here's another example. There are the perils of misguided investments. So another form of negative leverage is throwing good money after bad. It's easy to keep investing in a failing project due to the sunk cost fallacy, hoping it will turn around. A sunk cost bias is the tendency to continue to invest time, money, or energy into something we know is a losing proposition simply because we have already incurred or sunk a cost that cannot be recouped. But of course, this can easily become a vicious cycle. The more we invest, the more determined we become to see it through and see our investment pay off. The more we invest in something, the harder it is to let go. The sunk costs for developing and building the Concorde airplane were around a billion dollars. Yet the more money the British and French governments poured into it, the harder it was to walk away. And all of us are equally vulnerable to sunk cost bias. It explains, I suppose, why we'll continue to sit through a terrible movie because we've already paid the price of a ticket. It explains why we continue to pour money into a home renovation that never seems near completion. It explains why we'll continue to wait for a bus or subway train that never comes instead of hailing a cab. And it explains why we invest in toxic relationships even when our efforts only make things worse. I share an example that I came across when I was writing Essentialism. It's the story of Henry Gribbon, who, according to the article that I read, spent his entire life savings, $2,600, at a carnival game trying to win an Xbox Connect. The more he spent, the more determined he became to win. Henry said, you just get caught up in the whole, I've got to win my money back. But it didn't turn out that way. The more he invested in trying to win this non-essential item, the harder it was for him to walk away. 
Have you ever continued to invest time or effort in a non-essential project instead of cutting your losses? Have you ever continued to pour money into an investment that wasn't panning out instead of walking away? Have you ever kept plodding down a dead end because you could not admit, I shouldn't have pursued this direction in the first place? Have you ever been stuck in a cycle of throwing good money after bad? Well, it's just those kinds of traps. Or, or if you consider a marketing campaign that isn't yielding results, continuing to fund it, hoping for a turnaround, can drain resources and distract from more fruitful opportunities. All right, a whole nother example here. The missteps in learning and teaching. Negative leverage also appears in our learning and teaching processes. Learning something incorrect and holding on to that belief can steer us down the wrong path for years. And similarly, teaching others those wrong ideas amplifies this negative leverage, spreading inaccuracy. So think about a business strategy based on outdated or false premises. If this strategy is adopted and taught to new team members, it creates a cycle of inefficiency and error. Another example would be delegating the unnecessary. Delegating tasks that should not be done at all is a subtle yet pervasive form of negative leverage. You've put potentially the right people in the right place you're delegating, that's supposed to be a form of leverage. Maybe you're even extending a high trust agreement with a high trust person. But because you're delegating the wrong tasks to them, and especially if you write that into an agreement so that they're empowered to continue down that path for a long time, you have multiplied this non-essential activity that may continue effortlessly when you're not paying any attention. And the person is doing what you've asked them to do. And they might even be doing it efficiently, doing it well. That's the old Peter Drucker statement. There is nothing so useless as doing efficiently something that should not have been done at all. Yes, but what if you're delegating that? Think of how that could be a 10x form of negative leverage. There is nothing so useless as empowering other people to efficiently do things that should not be done at all. And of course, there's something in all of this to be said for combining forms of negative leverage. That is, you could delegate a project to a person, to a team, to a whole organization, where you ask them to build processes for your entire team, the entire company, and they work on this and they add without really meaning to, many, many steps in the process. They've added an enormous amount of complexity, and now it's hardwired into the technical system. The users of that system will not have the power, in most instances, to do anything about that system. They will just have to execute according to the process that has now been embedded in a technical form, in an inefficient process. And that can live on in organizations for years and years. Unintentionally, filling our lives with these forms of negative leverage make it so hard to live an essential life because all the non-essential things are now effortless. So if you do nothing, if you don't think consciously today about any of those items, the non-essential will continue to happen. So as we wrap up this series, 
I want to leave you with a final homework assignment. Initially, right at the beginning of this series, I asked you to look for leverage everywhere, anywhere. And now I urge you to identify negative leverage in your life. Look for negative leverage anywhere and everywhere. Because if you can find one and you can identify it, and you can stop or eliminate just one form of negative leverage, then that can be a 10x play. It can free you from a perpetual drain on your resources and energy. And as we all know, every time you invest in a non-essential, you are by definition under-investing in something else that's essential. You're making a trade-off that you don't want to make. And if you build it into leverage, that can be going on in many ways, invisible. And I'm asking you to try to make it visible so you can do something about it. What is one thing that stood out to you in today's episode? What is one thing that you can do immediately today while you're still thinking of this conversation? And who is someone you can share this episode with so that you can continue the conversation now that the episode is over? Thank you, and I'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.